The second Pacific Islands Forum Summit, hosted by the White House, regional concerns about Fukushima wastewater, the latest meeting of the Melanesian Spearhead Group, and more. Today is Tuesday, September 26, 2023, and welcome back to the fifth episode of Pacific Airwaves, a podcast on the Pacific Islands from the Southeast Asia Program and the Asia Maritime Transparency Initiative at CSIS. I'm Monica Sato, joined here by my new co-host, Andreka Natalagawa. How are you doing, Andreka? I'm doing well. It's been a good but long summer, and we've got a busy fall ahead. Can I just say, I'm so excited we finally have a project together. Fun fact for our listeners, Andreka was actually my supervisor when I was an intern with the Southeast Asia program back in 2019. I can't believe how fast time has gone since then. Well, time does fly when you're having fun, and that's what the Southeast Asia program is all about. For our listeners, inaugural podcast host Jared Tupuola has moved on to bigger things, but still remains close friends with the program. The team at Pacific Airwaves is incredibly grateful for all the work he has put into starting and advancing this podcast. We hope to make him proud by continuing his passion project in his stead. And while we'll miss Jared dearly, I'm delighted to be continuing as the regular co-host of this podcast from now on. Well, let's get into it, shall we? You know, Monica, I heard you just came back from New York to attend a conference on the Pacific Islands. Wasn't the United Nations General Assembly meeting also being held there? Yes, it was. Navigating New York with all the road closures for foreign dignitaries wasn't fun, but I got to hear keynote speeches from leaders in the region, like Prime Minister Mark Brown of the Cook Islands. At the same time, there has been some significant progress made during the UNGA in terms of multilateral cooperation. Last Wednesday, September 20th, we saw 67 countries, including the United States and members of the Pacific Islands Forum, or PIF, including the Federated States of Micronesia, Palau, the Solomon Islands, Fiji, Tuvalu, New Zealand, and Australia, adopt the Biodiversity Beyond National Jurisdiction Agreement, or BBNJ, better known as the UN High Seas Treaty. The treaty will allow countries to create large-scale marine protected areas in international waters. Ultimately, the treaty aims to safeguard and conserve 30% of land and sea by 2030, or the 30 by 30 campaign. While each country still must go through its own domestic processes to ratify the treaty, it's an incredible feat for all countries involved and shows greater commitment to protecting our marine environment under multilateral processes. And it seems like there's another important meeting taking place right after. Leaders from the region are in D.C. this week for the second U.S. Pacific Islands Forum Summit. You know, while we try to be updated on the latest developments of the region, we do record these episodes ahead of time. And while I wish we could record these day of, we'll keep you all posted on updates from the White House Summit in our next episode. So stay tuned for that. This week's summit aims to further discussions from last year's U.S. Pacific Island Country Summit. Andreka, do you think you could give us a brief review of what happened at last year's summit? Of course, Monica. Last year's summit was a historic one for the region, as U.S. and Pacific leaders endorsed the 11-point declaration on U.S.-Pacific partnership. The declaration reiterated U.S. commitment to the region, including greater efforts to address climate change, cooperation in sustainable development, and respect for the 2050 strategy for the Blue Pacific Continent. Alongside President Biden announcing more than $810 million in support for the Pacific Islands, the United States also established an envoy to the Pacific Islands Forum and made other diplomatic inroads. It's fascinating to see how much U.S. interest in the region has progressed. During last year's summit, President Biden acknowledged that the security of the world depends on the security of the Pacific Islands. And while some experts critique that U.S. engagement has increased solely to counter Chinese growing military involvement in the region, most U.S. initiatives launched during the summit focused on trade and investment, digital infrastructure, and tourism. That doesn't mean, however, that the United States does not have strategic interest in the region. As we briefly discussed in an earlier episode, the three countries that are central to U.S. ambitions in the region are the three COFA states. Palau, Micronesia, and the Marshall Islands. 
And speaking of COFA, I can see the deadline of COFA negotiations on the horizon. I'm getting antsy, and yet we still don't have any significant updates as of the moment. As a reminder for our listeners, the last country that has yet to reach an agreement with the United States is the Marshall Islands, which is requesting additional funds to compensate for damage done by the United States' legacy of nuclear testing in the region. And, speaking of continued concerns regarding the environment, Japan's decision to release treated wastewater from the wrecked Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant into the Pacific Ocean is continuing to cause controversy across the Asia-Pacific, with China being one of the biggest proponents of criticism. Japan says the wastewater discharge is necessary to eventually decommission the power plant. To address worries, Japan developed an IAEA-approved plan to minimize the environmental and health risks. The discharge began on August 24, 2023, and is expected to continue gradually for the next 30 years or so. China has reacted strongly to this decision by banning all Japanese seafood imports. The Chinese Foreign Ministry also called the decision an extremely selfish and irresponsible act that ignores international public interests. While other countries in the Pacific are understandably concerned, they've expressed their concern in less dramatic ways. For example, the five-member Melanesian Spearhead Group, or MSG, adopted a communique calling on Japan to delay the wastewater release until it was unquestionably proven safe by science. For many Pacific Islanders, the wastewater discharge is a reminder of the colonial legacies of nuclear testing in the region, including by the United States and France. With environmental and health damage that persists today, many Pacific Islanders are skeptical of claims that the water is safe. However, unlike much of the region who seem to share China's concern on this issue, Fijian Prime Minister Sitiveni Rabuka has said that linking the wastewater issue to nuclear weapons testing is fear-mongering and that he supports the discharge. Discussions of nuclear wastewater weren't the only topic discussed at the MSG Leader Summit, which was held in Vanuatu on August 22nd. During the summit, there were also significant talks regarding the continued issue of West Papua, especially as Indonesia expands its role into the Pacific as well. The MSG requested that the UN Rights Commissioner be allowed to visit West Papua so that any findings can be taken into consideration well before the next annual meeting. The primary organization of West Papuan self-determination, the United Liberation Movement for West Papua, applied to be a full member of the MSG this year, but was rejected on the grounds that it did not meet the criteria for membership. Some analysts are concerned that Indonesia's rising influence in the region affected the decision in a group that has been consistently supportive of West Papua in the past. FLNKS, an alliance of pro-independence parties in New Caledonia, is currently the only non-sovereign state member of the MSG. Meanwhile, Indonesia is an associate member to the body. With decolonization at the center of the group's founding, the issue of West Papua continues to be a tricky subject to navigate. The summit concluded with an additional one-year moratorium on any new members, leaving the issue to be pushed further along the road. Coming back full circle to the United States, for the first time in 16 years, the House Natural Resources Committee held a field hearing in Guam, which centered on the strategic significance of the Pacific Islands for countering the PRC. The governors of Guam and the Northern Mariana Islands testified, along with representatives from the three freely associated states. The Guamanian leader expressed concern about China's increasing presence in the region, while officials from the COFA states argued that China would aggressively seek to fill any gaps in U.S. assistance. It's also worth noting that protesters opposing further militarization of Guam briefly disrupted the hearing before being escorted away by security. Monica, that was a lot of ground to cover. With the White House Summit coming up, we'll have an even more in-depth episode on U.S. engagement in the region to share with our listeners soon. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Pacific Airwaves. 
If you're looking for Pacific Waves, be sure to check out the Daily News podcast from Radio New Zealand. Let us know what you think of our coverage by writing to our main email at searadio at csis.org. And if you're not following us already, please subscribe or give us a rating on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite streaming platform. Our producer is Marla Hiller. Special thanks to Josiah Gottfried, Mai Takahata, and Yume Lin for their assistance with this episode. I'm Monica Sato. And I'm Andreka Natsulagawa. And we'll see you next month for another episode of Pacific Airwaves.